We're going to be continuing our series in Abba's Child, Who I Am Says I Am. And so before we get started, I just want to do a quick recap of kind of how we've gotten to this point and just refresh your memory on some of the things that we have talked about. And for those who have maybe who haven't been with us, get you guys up to speed to my best ability. And so our, uh, our series can kind of be summed up in three different statements. The first one is we limit the depth of who we truly are when we define ourselves outside of who God has created to be. And so when we take things and we put those above who God says that we are, Right, And we just sang that song that he, we are a child of God. That's who he says that we are. And so when we define ourselves um, outside of that, we find life to be very hard. And it can feel separated and maybe even distant from the Lord. And so the purpose of the series is to prepare you for those moments. Really build a foundation of who we are in Jesus. Um, and the third statement is when we place our worth, our value, and identity in things such as possessions, what people say, what we do, those kinds of things, we sacrifice our relationship with Jesus. Um, And then the last thing is, but when we allow God to define us, the person who has created us, when we allow him to define us, we will find worth and value in being made in the image of God. And that's where our ultimate significance is found in who God is and how he has created us to be and what he has done for us in light of that. And so this is a reality that will be true for all the talks we have. These different uh, things, well, you'll see them present in every single talk. You'll see that present here. And when we define ourselves outside who God has created us to be, it can create a huge amount of difficulty, not just now, but can trickle all the way through your life. And so with that, the passage I want to remind you of from last week is Luke twelve thirty four. Can anybody tell me what that, that verse says? Preston can't. Hopefully I'm right about 12, 34. 34. I have 24 here. I was wrong. So. I see your hand. Let me see. All right. Read the first part of it. Just the first half of that verse. That's the first part, (laughs) where your treasure is. Can anybody tell me what treasure is if we think about what we talked about last week if you were here? What do we say treasure was? Lauren? Your belongings. Yeah, we did talk about our possessions. That is our treasure. What else is our treasure? We talked about that as well. Family. Family is treasure. Anything else? Specifically maybe in the Jesus peace realm. God's grace, yes, that is a treasure that we have, which ultimately leads to what? Because of his grace, we have eternal life. That is the treasure that we have. And then if you take it out, we have a hope that he's going to come back as well. And so we treasure that. Mark, you want to read the second half? All right, does anybody remember what we said that the heart was last week? No? Yeah, well, what I said it was, not what you guys said it was. <laughs> yes, Margaret. Yeah, it, it talks about quite a few different things. And, and more often than not, the heart is actually tied to the soul. 
And the soul is this weird thing that we try to understand and God tries to tell us what it is, but we're like, where's our soul? Because we need like a location for it. But the reality is our soul is our entire being. And that is ultimately what the heart means, that our entire being, if we're to look at treasures that are of this earth, you know, if we desire possessions, if we desire ultimately what people say about us above the things that God say about us, we're replacing our identity and our worth in those things. And then we become spiritually poor and we're not being rich in the Lord. And so that is what it's talking about. It paints this contrast. If we store up things in on earth, those things get destroyed. They break. They get outdated. All these things are gone. But if we store up riches in heaven, that lasts forever. Um, so I just want to remind you guys of that because this verse can play any part, just like the, the statements we made before, into any of the things that we're going to talk about, right? Because our treasure could be our possessions. Our treasure could be what we do for work or what we do for school, academics, any of that stuff. It could be what people say about us if they affirm us or they tear us down. We can make those things our treasure, and that's where our heart tends to go. And we, we gravitate there and we stay there. And so in, case, in the case of tonight, as we look at the phrase, um, I am what people say or think about me. Right? That one kind of hits, right? Because people got a lot to say. There's good things and there's bad things. But we want to talk about how that affects who we are. And so I just have a few questions I want you guys to be thinking about as we go over what we have tonight. And is, are you believing the lies that people are telling you and making that who you are? Are you believing the lies that people tell you and are you making that who you are? You're ultimately believing those. Or, that's the flip side, are you an approval addict? Are you an affirmation addict where you seek out the affirmation of people and make sure that you get that affirmation no matter the cost? Where you people please to know, like, till there's no end. Because that also plays a role as we seek to think about what people say. Because we want, think, we want people to think highly of us. And they also can think poorly of us. And that has an effect as we walk with Jesus. And so tonight, I'm hoping not to spend too much time teaching. That's the hope. Um, I can talk for a long time. You can ask my wife. I can talk for quite some time. Um, But what I want to do is give you an opportunity to wrestle with this reality of what people say about us and why it matters. But why sometimes it feels like it shouldn't matter. And so we're going to spend some time afterwards in our small groups wrestling with that reality. But tonight, I want to take some time just to look at the lie that we are what people say or think about us. And name it as a lie and say that's what it is to its face. Because we can spend so much time believing those things and it really distracts us from who Jesus is and what he's trying to do in our life. And it distracts us from the truth of the scriptures that God tries to speak over us. And he has a lot to say about who we are that has nothing to do with what people say or think about us. It's all a matter of what he says and what he thinks about us. And so for uh, kind of the foundation, we're going to go to Genesis 3, 1 to 13. If you don't have a Bible, you can pull out your phones. We've got Bibles up here. We can roll the car around if you want. Um, but I want to go back to kind of, kind of the foundation, right? Kind of the foundation of lies, kind of the foundation of us believing in things that we really had no business believing, believing and doubting who we are. And where does it start? The fall, right? That's where we see humanity's like, uh, course take off, 
really from this place and how we've been gotten here today. And so I want you to really see how words and the lies within those words can bring you to a place you really don't want to go. All right. So we're going to read verses 1 through 13. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any, any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of, this, of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither should, shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you, to, you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me. And I ate. And so there's a lot of implications of this passage. We're simply going to focus on what got them to this point, what was being said. And so I just want to make a few quick observations, and they'll be very simple. And to kind of tell you how simple it would be, the first one is things were said. Things were said. Adam and Eve entertained the words of the serpent, they sat there and they listened. The, the words that came out of the serpent's mouth, not only did it just kind of bend the truth, but those words questioned who God was. Right? He, he questioned God's authority through his words like, right, you won't surely die. Right? Like he, just, he's, he doesn't want you to be like him. Those are the implications of the words. And then the second observation is they were deceived. Not only did they entertain the words, but they believed them to be true. It didn't take too long for them to be like, you know what, that fruit is good. And they saw it to be desired and they ate of it. And so they believed that they could be like God because that is really what is getting out here. And the funny thing is they were made in the likeness of God. They were already, they, they were already in that place, but yet they decided that, well, this is good and we're just going to go for it. And so they believed this lie that was said to them. And then the third thing was that perspective was distorted, right? No, no matter how you look at it, what you see in this passage is that they can no longer see what was actually good. They saw the fruit that was good for eating after the fact that the creator, the author of life, said that it wasn't. And yet they're like, nah, that's good. So we'll just go there. Not only that, they saw themselves in an entirely new light. They didn't know they were naked before they ate the fruit. And now they can see themselves as naked. And they decide to clothe themselves. And then they hide. And all that, they hide after they're done. And so as the chapter comes to an end, we see that God, he has his curse. 
He clothes them and he sends them out of the garden. That is the, the, the spark notes version of what happens in the rest of the chapter. But the reason I want to focus on this specific piece of the passage to help us understand the process of the evil one is really to get you to listen. He slightly bends the truth to get you to listen. And he takes his time. Right, Because when we start to believe in what people say or think about us, we get to this place of that, man, I'm worthless. Wow, I'm really not that cool. Man, I suck at sports. The list can go on and on, but it took time to get to that place. There are subtle little whispers that happen as you walk through, even just in your time right now, that get you to believe that there are events that get you to believe that that is true about you, whatever it is that you're walking through. It starts with a subtle thing. It's very small and it gets you to believe that. And you start to think, man, am I really that thing? And the worst part about it, a lot of the times that this is communicated, doesn't come from some small, still voice out of thin air. It comes from somebody your age, maybe not your age. It comes from human beings. Those lies can be communicated through human beings. And that is when we start to get in this reality of, man, am I that? Should I be doing this? And so the subtle whispers people, to, sorry, <clears throat> it leads us to do a few different things. The two things that I've seen happen to my friends and even in my own life, right? It leads to the, one of the things that it leads to is to self-destruct. That we take those things in that they're so painful and hard to hear that we actually self-destruct. We internalize all of it. And the subtle whispers of people degrading who we are start to be another you know, really scream at our soul. And most times we can't even hear our own thoughts. We can't hear ourselves think. But when it quiets down is when we decide to agree with the very thing that we're being told. We start to believe, man, if God was so good, why is all this pain happening? We agree with that. God isn't good. People keep calling me worthless. They keep telling me I suck. They keep saying that I'm ugly. They keep calling me short. They keep making fun of me. So therefore, that must be true. And the reason all the noise stops is because the accuser, Satan, wants us in that place. And when we get to that place, he really thinks he's won. Or maybe we become addicted to approval or affirmation. People giving us praise feels so good that that's all we want to seek out. But if people don't think highly of us, highly of us we can circle back to this idea of self-destruction. And so to avoid that pain, we will do whatever it takes to avoid that. We will do whatever it takes. Will people please like there's no tomorrow, just to get people to think about us a certain way. We will give our all to be nice to people. Or we can fill in all kinds of blanks of what we will do to get the approval of people. And when something doesn't work, we decide that it has to go because it's not 
pleasing people and we replace it with something else that will please people. And more often than not, it is not something that is good for you. And all the while that we are doing this, we are simply just hiding who we were created to be. And so regardless of where you fall in these two situations, your perception, and regardless of whatever situation you might be going, your perception of who you are becomes distorted. You can no longer recognize who you are because you've begun to shed off so much of who you are whether that's believing in a lie, both ways, and really just sitting with that and wrestling with that on your own without Jesus, or if it's seeking the affirmation totally of people without even paying attention to who God is in your life. And so when we allow what people say about us to deceive us, we hide from Yahweh. Right? We see that it's apparent. They were deceived and sin was brought in the world, and the first thing that they do is hide. And they're afraid when God comes and they hide. But not only that, we hide from ourselves. We don't have the ability to recognize who we are anymore and we begin to hide from ourselves. But the cool thing is, you guys, is that we have a God who says differently. We have a God who thinks differently. And that's specifically about us. And we have a God who calls us out by name and tells us who we are. And so what does he say about us? Because if we look at the 66 books, there's a lot that God has to say. What specifically does he have to say about us? And so to close out our time, I have a few verses that have been kind of smash together, paint this full picture um, of what God thinks about us and what he has to say about us. And so, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God shows us, shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He predestined us for adoption as sons, uh, as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. And he has always had us in his thoughts, and because of this, we can declare this, you guys. This is, I love this passage, and you guys, if you guys read Psalm 13, Sorry, 139, you would have read this on Sunday. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And so this is who God says we are. This is how God thinks about us. And what God says and thinks about us should be the thing feeding our identity, not what people have to say, not what people have to think about us. 
Because the reality is what God thinks about us doesn't lead us to seek affirmation from him. He has already affirmed who we are. He doesn't seek to deceive us in a way that sends us down this pit that we can't return from. He seeks to put his hand in there and take us out of it. And so if you hear anything tonight, what God says about us is that we are made in his image. And a cool characteristic about God is that his works are wonderful. And we are his workmanship. We are one of his works. He knew us even before we were created. And despite the fact that we are sinners, he tells us that he loves us. And he did that by sending his son to die for you. He did that to show you how he truly sees you. He did that to show you how he thinks about you and what he thinks and what he wants you to know is that you are worthy to be saved. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for what you say about us and how you think about us and You've called people simply to write it down so we can look at it. That you are reminding us of who we are on a regular basis. Um, and all you ask is that we just give our lives to you in response to that. Lord, just thankful for the cross and how that paints this beautiful picture of you loved us so much uh, that you sent your son to die for us. So Lord, we're just grateful that you continue to seek us out, that you continue to speak in to our identity and that who you are and what you've done is where our identity comes from. It's what gives us purpose in life. And so Lord, may we remember that. May we uh, just rest in the fact that you hold us in your hand and that we can seek you out as a refuge when people say things that really hurt or we're seeking to be approved and affirmed by other people, but not you. So Lord, would you just give us uh, the hearts to continue to turn back to you and just sit at the foot of the cross. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.